but yes, it's, you do. it's normal. <laughs> it is normal. <laughs> yeah. So over to you, Mark, maybe to welcome everybody yes. and maybe we'll yes, ask for it. Yeah. It's time. Then uh, the, it's time. The, the habits of ISF to start up on time. Then uh, I'm very pleased to welcome you again for that uh, ISF Connect. And then uh, uh, I'll give the floor immediately to Attilio because we, we need to save time and I, I don't speak more. Please, Attilio, it's your turn now. Yes. Thank you very much, Mark. And uh, many thanks to you all, to Mia, virtual Mia. And it's really a great pleasure for me to introduce our two speakers today and uh, to introduce the topic that is a, a central key topic in the discussion around uh, sport pedagogy and PE uh, today. So we are going to speak about uh, fitness testing in school. And we have two very, uh, two excellent speakers, Laura Alfrey from Monash University in Australia. And in my screen, she is uh, in exactly in the middle of the screen. Top, yeah, in normal time, we're seeing she's sitting there. But now, yeah, we have to, to use this position on the screen. And then we have uh, Gregor Jurak from the University of, of Ljubljana in Slovenia. And uh, I'm sure we will have a, a great discussion today. And uh, so I would invite our speakers. I don't want to take their time. And uh, for sure, at the end, we will have time for discussion, for questions, for uh, talking one each other. So. Thanks again to you all to be here. And uh, not the floor, unfortunately, but the screen is your, Laura. And uh, uh, thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, we will have first the presentation by Laura and then from Gregor. Thank you, Attilio. And thank you, ASEP, uh, and the team behind it for inviting me today. I really uh, appreciate it. And as I said, um, we've just gone into a week's lockdown, so I, I had nothing to do at 9pm on a Friday, so this, this was really well-timed. Um, before I start, I just want to acknowledge uh, the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land upon which I live and work, um, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that land was never ceded. So in terms of the topic for today, I was asked to talk about the pros and cons of fitness testing. Uh, and, and I promise I will, I will do that. Um, but I also wanted uh, to go beyond that a little bit. So I'm going to very briefly say a little bit about my context, because I think uh, given the diversity of like, the people tuning in, it might help make sense of the kind of things I'm going to say. Um, and then I'm going to work through the questions, what, you know, what, what am I talking about, particularly tonight when I talk about fitness testing? Um, and what kind of particular practices um, am I going to call for a reconsideration of? Um, and then why is fitness testing so prevalent, at least in some countries internationally? Um, I'll be talking in particular to my experiences in England and Australia. So what? So why is this important? Why is the prevalence of fitness testing something that we should be thinking about um, and arguably reconsidering? And then what now? I, I kind of wanted to go beyond the for against debate, the pro cons, and be a bit more generative and productive about what might that mean for the future. 
So that is our plan of attack. If anyone has any questions, or if you can't understand my wonderful accent, please just let me know and, um, and we can have a chat. So in terms of my context, um, I want to be really honest about my, I guess, journey uh, in terms of fitness testing, my thinking around it and my experiences of it um, ha have shifted considerably over the past 20 years. So if we rewind to 2000-ish, um, I've graduated from the University of Chester in physical education uh, and I'm working across three primary schools um, tasked mainly with the component of the curriculum that was called health-related exercise. Um, and the main means through which teaching health-related exercise, at least at that time, and I'm not sure if much has changed, um, was through fitness testing. So I would work my way around the three schools and I was mainly fitness testing six to 10-year-old children. Uh, and I, I loved it, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, until I started my postgraduate study, um, Firstly at the University of Chester and then through to Loughborough where I did my PhD with uh, Lorraine Kale and Louisa Webb. And then I kind of put these socio-critical glasses on that I've never really been able to take off. Um, and it was at that point at the start of my master's that I was really forced to question what I was doing in my day job, why I was doing it and the impact it might have on the young children I was working with. So um, I went from full pro uh, fitness testing to vehemently against it. I thought it was the devil's work. Um, and then fast forward to the current day where I'm um, positioned at Monash University in Australia. And um, uh, I'd like to say I'm a little bit more circumspect about fitness testing. I'm not for or against it. I just have a lot of questions about it. Uh, and in particular, the impact particular practices in the name of fitness testing might have on the young people that we're working with. So I'll share some of those questions um, as we move through, but that's kind of me. Um, I've got a few papers that are relevant to this conversation, um, and I didn't want to duplicate what's said in any of those papers, but I did want to point you to those uh, where you can get perhaps a more refined perspective that I might be able to give tonight. Uh, but also the, the references and the, and the literature and the scholars I've drawn upon um, are kind of tightly configured in those papers. So the first one came out of my PhD um, and wasn't actually focused on fitness testing, but fitness testing emerged as a key finding, i.e. that was the main way through which physical education teachers in England were teaching health-related exercise, which was that component of the curriculum that I was tasked with teaching. Um, and then the bottom two papers uh, refer to Australian data, again, um, talking to secondary physical education teachers. So all of those have focused on teacher perspectives, on the what's and the why's and the how's of fitness testing. Um, and then more recently, I've maintained a focus on teachers, but um, expanded that to begin to include student experiences. Um, the uh, kind of co-design and what might this look like if we if we shared the responsibility of reconfiguring fitness testing or fitness education, as I would say. Um, COVID thwarted that, uh, but watch this space. We're, we're hoping to get some data um, in the second half of this year. So that's kind of me and where I'm at. Uh, shifting to the questions I said we'd answer. So in terms of what am I talking about when I talk about fitness testing tonight? 
And the particular practices um, that have emerged through the data, but also uh, that I've experienced um, that I would like to question are, you know, whole class testing and surveillance via tests such as the beat test, Cooper Run, sit and reach and so on, where students are exposed compared to normative values. Um, I've seen results posted on the wall to motivate students. Um, I'll share some data later around um, some teachers' views of the importance of sending results home to prompt a change in behaviour in home life. Um, so that's what I'm talking about. And, and this is important to talk about because um, my data at least suggests that fitness testing um, is a practice, a context for learning in both England and Australia um, that's carried out by most physical education teachers. So why, why is it so popular? Um, what are the benefits that we might achieve through fitness testing? So um, Key Team in 2019 and colleagues um, put together a review and, and they suggested four main reasons for, for fitness testing within physical education. Uh, and I'm being very particular about physical education, acknowledging that fitness testing in other contexts such as performance sport is a different kettle or fish. So they suggested that uh, these are the main reasons, that there's a steep decline in youth fitness, uh, that fitness testing has the potential to motivate students to participate in more health-related fitness activities, that students at risk of poor health can be identified through fitness testing, um, and finally, that remedial PE programs can be developed to improve student health-related fitness. Um, so that, that, they're not my words, they're um, straight from Keating. Um, but for me, these reasons are underpinned by some really big assumptions. Yeah, that fitness testing can increase youth fitness, that fitness testing can motivate young people or anyone to be more physically active, um, that fitness predicts health status. And then for me, the big one is that all of these things um, are possible and appropriate within the context of physical education. So um, Michael Gowd and I, in, in two of the papers that I uh, shared earlier, um, our findings echoed some of those shared by Keating, um, in that when we spoke to the secondary Australian physical education teachers, motivation was a really key reason why fitness testing was viewed as a good thing to do. Okay, this is a quote from one of the teachers that we worked with. Um, and they said that fitness testing could make them, the students, more aware of their own health. I can't see how it would really drive them to push harder unless it was something that they really wanted to achieve in their football club or something. They wanted to get a certain score on the beat test. It could be a really good motivation uh, for that, but I don't see that it's as powerful as other people think. Another key reason was that fitness testing uh, had always been done a very unremarkable and normal part of day-to-day -day life of a physical education teacher. So it's part of tradition, it was ingrained in the cultural habitus, um, but also it's a key feature of school curriculum and it always has been. Okay, so one teacher said, I carry out fitness testing twice per year. I do the beat test, basketball throw, sit and reach, 1.6 kilometer run, 
height, weight, shoulder stretch, sit-ups. I do it because it's set out in our school's curriculum that students should do fitness testing at the beginning of term one and at the beginning of term four. Another key reason was pragmatism. Um, so it's easy, yeah, it's easy, it's quick. I love this one. A history teacher could do it. <laughs> Not to downplay history teachers, but that gave me a little chuckle. Um, it doesn't cost much, it's easy to implement. It's just, a, it's just kind of a slack way to take a class. I don't think it's great personally. Um, another key issue that, uh, or another key reason that I haven't actually shared here is around status and, and uh, positioning physical education within the school context as a means to promote the health of the nation and get the kids fitter. But just sticking to the three that I shared you, so pragmatism, so, um, school curriculum, tradition and motivation, what struck me once I compared, I guess, our data with, with the review shared by Keating a few slides prior, was ours was just a bit messier, a bit more, it wasn't as clean cut. Um, and by that, by that, I mean a lot of the quotes that I've shared today and in the conversations more generally with the teachers, um, there was ambivalence and, and cracks and questioning about whether what they were doing in the name of physical education and fitness testing in particular um, was doing the kind of work that they hoped it would do. Okay, and that's why we call the paper a crack where the light gets in, because um, that's what we felt the data represented. So uh, fitness testing is prevalent, at least in Australia and England. Most teachers do it in the name of physical education. Uh, and some students love it. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Uh, they can experience success. It enhances their self-esteem, supports their self-identity and reinforces how they view themselves as strong and fit performative. Um, but there's kind of obviously always a flip side. Um, so that kind of description doesn't fit all students. Um, and we need to be considering all students when we're, when we're putting our physical education programs together. So echoing uh, Kale, Harrison Chen, Hopland Graham, Silverman and others, um, they've, they've raised in the past the issue or, or two, two main points. The first one, um, and this came from Hopple and Graham in 96, um, and they spoke to, to students and the, the general theme was that the, the children participating in the fitness tests didn't know why they were doing it. The purpose was unclear. Okay, so that's the first issue. And the second one is uh, at least in our data, uh, and I think this can be said um, from some of the research in the states, learning is not mentioned. The, the teachers we spoke to did not mention education or learning once when we were asking what they did and why they did it and so on and so forth. So for me, um, in the context of physical education, educative purpose is a really important thing to be focusing on first and foremost, or second and foremost. I'll share the first one in, in a moment. Um, so educative purpose being the first thing I'd like to highlight. The second is this notion of do no harm. Okay. So um, this is a quote from Twitter. It's not from, I, I didn't collect this data, um, but AggieKate07, um, in remembering her experiences of physical education, said, I couldn't pass it, not the running anyway. After everyone else had passed, the PE teacher would try to motivate me by forcing all of them to sit in lines on the ground and watch me struggle. It was pure hell 
every single semester. All the other kids were pissed because they wanted to run and play games during PE and the teacher wouldn't let them because she wanted them to shame me into trying harder. I still hate running to this day. I feel like everyone is looking at me. So the themes there of both shame and motivation uh, are threaded through our data, but I think also beyond our data, you know, the research focusing on physical education, whether it's brought to the fore or not. And again, um, and not uncommon, is we can see the thread from the past to the present and the ways in which that these exformative experiences have informed how some people view and experience physical activity in adulthood. Um, other research has spoken to the impact of uh, fitness testing on uh, effect, um, harm to identity and self-esteem, that it opens the doors for discrimination uh, and that it can cause shaming. Uh, and we saw that um, in, in the previous quote. Um, what we found, Michael and I in relation to shaming was that it actually extended beyond students. Um, uh, and here's a quote from one teacher who said that fitness test results should go to parents. Parents should be accountable for their child's health. The child's results should be sent home and also the national norms for each test. It might help parents see how their child actually compares to others. It could make parents change the family diet or even book their child into a sporting club. So again, lots, lots, oh, a few assumptions here. Um, uh, and the main one for me is um, that there, I think, have unreal, unrealistic expectations around what sh sharing norms and test results can do, i.e. Um, things such as the family diet for some families, there's little control over, over that, okay? So what now? Hopefully we've painted the picture um, and now moving forward and uh, the final few slides will be just asking some questions um, uh, and hopefully giving us some food for thought for the discussion afterwards. So I put this very sophisticated diagram together, which documents the first two questions that I ask when I'm putting together a physical education program uh, and I'm applying it here in relation to physical activity. So will this harm a student? If the answer is no, fabulous. Next question, is it educative? If yes, again, fabulous, proceed with caution. So how might we proceed? Um, so I've drawn upon a lot of scholarship. Uh, this is small writing, but I can share this separately. Um, and I've deliberately shared scholarship from 2017 because the papers that I've published already share uh, literature that I've used prior to that date. Uh, and other things that have informed my thinking around how we might progress um, are talking with teachers, talking with students, uh, universal design for learning principles. Um, I've been diving into the psychology literature uh, the work around meaningful phys physical education. And then I think the most, um, uh, the, the most fruitful for me has actually been an element of the Australian health and physical education curriculum um, called the five propositions or key ideas. And that's what you can see on the bottom right hand side there. So within the Australian HP curriculum, the intent is that these five key ideas being focus on educative purpose, 
value movement, develop health literacy, include a critical inquiry approach and take a strengths-based approach. The intent is that those inform how we teach health and PE, the pedagogy. Okay, and that, and that was really useful for me in terms of reframing uh, and reconsidering what fitness testing uh, and fitness education um, could look like. Um, so I have nearly finished, but here I just have a few, a few questions. So if I'm working with teachers, uh, which I am, um, uh, I said I have lots of annoying questions, and these are some of the questions that I ask. So do students have the opportunity to choose which test they participate in? Will students carry out the testing as a group, in a circuit, in pairs, at home, individually? What's that going to look like? Um, is the testing carried out in isolation or is it linked to other learning experiences throughout the term or year? Um, do students have to participate in validated tests or can they develop their own? How will the data be collected and stored? Who will collect it for what purpose? And is that purpose clear to the students? Looking, linking back to that Hopple and Graham point around the students not always knowing why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and do you have a mechanism for knowing how the fitness testing process or fitness education more broadly is impacting students? How is it making them feel? Um, so those would be some key questions I would ask. And then I guess drawing all that together, what we know from the, from the existing scholarship, those um, key pedagogical ideas that I just shared on the previous slide. Um, for me, that presents a scenario where we can see a kind of fitness testing that moves away from whole class surveillance, comparison to norms, exposure, feelings of shame and embarrassment. Um, towards a kind of fitness testing that has clear learning intention that the students are aware of, um, an educative purpose um, that's embedded within a broader fitness education program and is not done in isolation, disconnected from anything else within the uh, phys ed program. Safe, both physically and emotionally, relevant and meaningful, meaningful to the students' lives. So that links to that notion of choice, yeah. Um, not rushed and students have the time to explore, critique and learn in through and about fitness testing and fitness education more broadly. Um, and provides opportunities for students to reflect on the process and identify what they've learned, how they feel, how the experience is meaningful and useful to their day-to-day -day lives. Yeah, so there's some element of authenticity there. And just to finish, I think we often underestimate our role and our, I mean, pre-service teacher educators and researchers, we're a really key resource. And I've learned um, over the past few years, spending more time in schools, the importance um, or what we can bring as a resource to support change. And I think sometimes we don't realize um, uh, that, that we can contribute in such ways to change generally within phys ed, but in relation to fitness testing in particular. So we've got work to do kids. That's it. Laura, thank you very much for your meaningful, very clear presentation. It is very nice that we already have a number of questions and uh, we have a discussion in the chat. But uh, before the discussion, I would give the floor, the screen to uh, Gregor Jurak for his presentation. Gregor, the screen is yours.
Thank you, Apilio. Um, I hope you see the screen. Yes. Uh, yeah, but yes. I have some problems. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, there is this a, a black a black row, uh, Gregor. Yeah. Yep. I will move it. Is this fine? Now it. Yeah. Now it's. Yeah, it's fine. We can read. Yeah, I cannot move it from the screen. So, uh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you today and uh, thank you for invitation um, i'm also happy that we uh, coordinate so well with laura our presentations because i will not double her with uh, her presentation so actually i strongly believe that uh, cons that was that were presented by laura are uh, connected with uh, how to organize uh, testing uh, actually, a physical education environment, like also Tamash mentioned, and uh, also uh, how to increase uh, teachers' competencies on connecting uh, connecting physical fitness monitoring with teaching and learning. And uh, I will I will uh, I will uh, try to convince that uh, this is the right path to combine physical fitness monitoring and physical literacy paradigm and uh, my presentation will be mostly sharing some experience of our team and uh, also ideas from the feedback network that was created for combining these two paradigms so i'm coming from university of ljubljana um, actually faculty of sport and uh, i'm um, uh, i'm the head of slow fit uh, research team uh, within this team, we are a few senior and also uh, younger researchers from various backgrounds and also from these different nationalities. So we are quite interesting team. Uh, so uh, maybe some of you already uh, cooperated with us and I, I believe we will uh, meet somewhere uh, also uh, in some other projects. So Slovenia, this is a small country in Central Europe with only 2 million inhabitants, uh, but we have a really beautiful landscape uh, from mountains to, to sea coast, um, uh, a lot of uh, forests. So we have really uh, good opportunities for physical activities. So for instance, also physical activities of Slovenian kids, according to global metrics, uh, are is really good it's it's uh, the best in europe uh and only denmark scored also b scored within this uh, matrix and also our uh, our uh, adults are among the most physically active in the europe right behind the nordic countries so um of, of course uh, i will mention this a little bit later also our kids are among the fittest children on the world. Actually, they're superior to other, uh, uh, other peers from Europe at, and the world. And I will, I will try to show you one maybe possible reason why this is happen, happening. 
uh, this is not strictly connected, but Slovenia almost uh, is all, all also among uh, pretty successful countries regarding to the number of inhabitants. We are all uh, we are always among top three or five countries uh, per uh, on on um, Olympics regards to medals won per uh, inhabitants. Maybe you know some of our athletes, um, and um, and I believe regards to this, we have to do something right, isn't it? So, of course, I believe that the, the most important thing is that we have a really good educational system, public one, because we have really few uh, private schools in Slovenia, most of our kids educated in public schools. And within public schools, we have also national monitoring of physical fitness for more than 30 years. So this is not just one kind of testing. It's a really monitoring system, which provides uh, feedback information for, for children, for, for uh, teachers and their parents, and it's conducted every year. Uh, and it's also placed within our curricula and all schools have to perform this uh, testing and kids from six to 19 years of old are actually involved in this testing and they get this feedback each year. So they have a, this longitudinal data from their schooling period. And also what is really important is that the aim of this uh, testing is to give a feedback for further teaching and learning. So this is really powerful educational tool for teacher, parents and their children. And um, Laura mentioned that uh, uh, in England, uh, results of, of children are public, so they are placed to the wall, etc. This is not true for, for our uh, monitoring system. Uh, we, we have developed also the MySlowFit application and all uh, all uh, results are stored over there and are visible only to children and, uh, of course, also teachers. But parents can also share or uh, give this success also to others they believe uh, would benefit from this. For instance, for uh, to doctors, maybe also to coaches, etc. So, slow fit is meant to be for individual monitoring of progress within learning of students and for instance this is the this is the report of teachers so they they also have an overview of their classes what uh, kind of components they should improve etc so we also uh, in which components they should connect with maybe healthcare providers uh, include uh, children in some special programs we also have such kind of programs and this is the individual screen report within the application and parents can see all uh, their uh, kids uh, over there and this is also the pdf report uh, explaining uh, uh, le uh, uh, last uh, uh, measurement with uh, compared with previous year and uh, what is behind of the measurement etc so it's kind it's kind of providing messaging messages for for understanding so for the cognitive uh, domain of physical literacy. And we also provide over there within this MySlowFit 
physical activity report based on the shapes questionnaire so uh, uh, they can get uh, in feedback information on petty for our movement behavior and uh, we also provide uh slow fit tips this is actually the public website you can also visit uh, it's part of uh, the website is also in english but this part uh, just in in slovenian language uh, so these tips are very well connected with uh, reporting systems so uh, we have over there one component which is measured and then if you have a, a worse result you have a you, you you have a chance to see what can I uh, do to improve this result? And additionally, of course, we also have a, a data on population level, and we can we can really promptly address policymakers and also wider audience with results. For instance, we 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 immediately um, noticed big drop out uh, drop out of our uh, fitness of our children um, in first wave of uh, um, restriction measures of COVID. And we also have information which um, components suffer the, the most and also which uh, children suffer the most. It, it, uh, uh, those are the children who are the most fittest one. So this is, this is also another level of monitoring. Um, and that's why uh, we believe that this stigma on fitness testing is really connected with with uh, unappropriate uh, school environment or or testing environment, not, but not just testing. It's a, it's a PE environment. So uh, this uh, unpleasant and embarrassing experience, I believe, is very well connected with with uh, with this kind of of issues. And uh, we believe that this two paradigm can be. Um, connected very well since if we look uh, if we look on on uh, um, on uh, definitions of physical fitness and physical literacy we can see that there is a really a lot of connections between them and and we go and and if you go further deeper in in physical literacy uh, paradigm we can see that physical fitness is really well connected not just with physical domain but also with cognitive domain and additionally physical fitness is the outcome of physical literacy and uh, for instance it's very very good indicator of also of physical literacy as was proven by canadian uh, colleagues if you look uh, if you look closely on physical domain Fitness is really essential besides the fundamental skills. We have to have certain level of fitness to develop fundamental motor skills and vice versa. We have to have some kind of skills to develop also the fitness. But we cannot imagine to uh, also enjoy, uh, have a motivation in some kind of physical activity if we don't have fitness on certain level because we cannot perform this well and then we don't have such kind of interesting motivation for for this part and another part is connected with physical fitness and cognitive domain so it is well proven that physical fitness also improve the cognitive functioning therefore physical fitness is also based for cognitive domain and if we have a proper 
also feedback from monitoring, we can also influence on um, how to how how children will understand the movement of physical activity as well as physical fitness. And if you look closely, also physical fitness as 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 an outcome of physical literacy. We can see that the, there is, a, for instance, from a Canadian uh, assessment uh, system, we can see that uh, it took uh, a huge space of physical competence uh, domain. For instance, there are two fitness tests and there is uh, one test of, of uh, skills over there. So uh, I think there are more pros than cons and cons are actually connected with uh, environment. So I believe that uh, uh, fitness, uh, without fitness monitoring, not just testing, uh, PE teachers cannot provide objective information to students and their parents about the progress also in physical literacy, especially in physical component. And such objective information can, can be made only with normative standards in combination also with health risk standards. We have both in our system. Since monitoring only the raw values, for instance, um, and the number of push-ups, etc., uh, in the period when children grow, would not provide adequate information on this. Uh, therefore, I, I believe this the normative values uh, should be also used uh, to, to provide such kind of feedback. And moreover, I believe uh, monitoring could be very well uh, uh, um, used also for communication um, of, um, of uh, this cognitive uh, domain of physical literacy. So uh, that's why I, I think uh, monitoring of fitness could be a really good vehicle for developing physical literacy but we have to explain on meaning of fitness and its monitoring uh, to to not just to PE teachers they have to also explain this to children and their parents we have to provide pleasant testing environment we have to use valid fitness battery uh, we have to think on monitoring not just merely testing so tracking physical and motor development of children for instance we all also within slow fit, we upgraded our system with uh, uh, one uh, method of uh, uh, artificial intelligence to uh, to um, um, calculate the final height of kids at the age of 18. And this is very, very interesting for end users. So we, we could provide really a lot of data which are interesting for, for end users and also Oh, the most important is providing meaningful and relevant feedback to children and uh, to children and parents. And now I will, uh, now I will uh, I end with uh, uh, our next work. This is a feedback network. So um, within this network, we are trying to establish the platform for uh, PE teachers, coaches, doctors, parents, on which all um, users will will uh, have a free of charge tool for uh, evaluating um, fitness measurements from uh, AlphaFit battery, and we also already created such kind of in 
interactive as well as PDF reports and also group reports. And another target group are policymakers. Uh, we there constructed 10 steps how to design a monitoring system. We also established European fitness maps and also presented the, the best practice on fitness monitoring. And of course, we are also targeting researchers. We want to invite all researchers that are interesting to this to, to join us. Uh, uh, this is uh, 10 partners which created this web platform, which, we, which is already visible, but we didn't uh, promote it yet. And for instance, this is the kind of feedback report and it's uh, really, we are now piloting this and we will improve if necessary something, but actually right now it's already uh, addressing uh, the issues that, was, that, that were mentioned before. So really good um, uh, feedback uh, to children. And I have to mention also the, the, the big scientific part that was done behind. Um, we collected more than uh, 10 million data points of physical fitness um, testing in Europe. And based on this, we created European norms. So within this um, platform, all kids can be compared with European peers at the same age and sex. And this is the feedback report for group entering. So fit test battery. And here we have this European fitness map for policy making, and also for, for, for getting overview where our children, our children are, uh, they are. And this is the, this is the infographic for, uh, for, for, for policy makers on how to establish monitoring system. And those who are interested in details uh, on best practice in Europe, they can get really thorough information also on this site. And I will end with, with the idea on future project. Uh, we are preparing satellite project uh, feedback for literacy. Within this uh, uh, project, we want to uh, we want to enlighten this uh, question: how to combine physical fitness monitoring and development of physical literacy from the bottom-up approach with feedback. We did. Uh, top-down approach. So uh, within this feedback for literacy, the main work package is to uh, conduct experiment in eight countries uh, on which the web platform will be used for monitoring physical fitness. And also we will monitor development of uh, physical literacy by uh, by by using these uh, materials that will be developed during the project. And moreover, we will also translate uh, web uh, reporting system, only reporting system in few other uh, European languages. Uh, on September, this web platform will be in five European lang languages, English one, uh, German, French, Spanish, and Italian. But if our uh, feedback for literacy um, project will be accepted by uh, commission. Then uh, within three years, we will have uh, for uh, at least uh, uh, um, in 10 to 15 European languages translated these reports as well as, as uh, literacy uh, toolkit 
to use by PE teachers. And I, I, I believe this is uh, really right path to uh, use monitoring, fitness monitoring in, in the correct uh, way. So you're also welcome to uh, join the feedback network if you have such kind of ambition. Uh, this is free of charge, of course. We have a really nice, uh, nice uh, conversations over there and uh, please contact us for further information. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gregor. Again, another very interesting uh, uh, presentation with a lot of suggestions. And uh, let me say, first of all, that probably we were able to, to choose the right topic for discussion because we have a number of comments on the chat, a number of, of um, uh, questions and so on. It seems that uh, uh, the main question could be, is it the instrument uh, that means monitoring fitness itself or, or it is the way to use monitoring that is the, the question and that we need a, a sort of culture of monitoring and probably for a long time and in many countries uh, we uh, were not able to reflect enough on this topic. So, and I'm concluding um, before introducing the questions, uh, probably I'm saying to my ISF colleagues here, it's time for a special symposium on this topic. It could be a very um, nice discussion to put together to our discussion around about assessment and, uh, and the other topic we are currently discussing. So I don't know how to start with questions because we have at least an incredible number of, of, uh, of questions on the chat. What I can say, uh, maybe we can open the discussion. I would kindly ask to you all to take the time as short as possible for your question and the same Laura and Gregor for your answers. So to have time to, to talk more. So discussion is open. Just raise your virtual hand and open your microphone. Okay. Perhaps, um, Attilio, if nobody's raising their hand, we could ask. Oh, oh Mikel, sorry, apologies. Mikel, Mikel is raising. Yeah, I'm just trying to find my uh, unmute my. But I did that now. Uh, uh, thank you for your presentation. It was it's it's a lot of food for thought, and I want to ask both of you. I mean, I mean, Laura, you talked. A lot about we need to add the why of fitness testing and, and and i totally agree with that we need to start with why should we do it and how it becomes educative and, and gregory you talked a lot about how uh, the how of fitness testing and it, it must be better it can't, it can't be the stigmatizing and the kind of but can you say something about because i've thought a lot about the what what are we actually measuring with the fitness? What are the norms for testing? And we're measuring a certain, you, have, you didn't talk so much about that because of course, sometimes the norms of certain tests are quite white, masculine, Western fitness and not other kinds of fitness. Mm. Could you say something about that, both of you? Yeah, can I? First, yes, of course. <laughs> okay, yeah, of course, we, we follow 
um, first I would say that um, uh, Slovenia has a really long tradition of of physical fitness testing and uh, in back in, in 80s and 70s we developed some kind of different approach than western part so we are talking about uh, uh, um, so kind of, of, of uh, motor abilities and we, we are still believe this is very good approach because uh, we are missing some things in, in physical fitness approach. But uh, we shift to also to, to this Western paradigm of uh, physical fitness. And of course, we have uh, this so-called health-related and skill-related fitness components behind. And uh, there were so, also some questions regards to zones that uh, were used. Yes, we, we, used, uh, we are using zones which are actually evidence-based uh, on, on, on uh, research that were made according to uh, casual, casual uh, relationship among the testing, uh, among the, the fitness tests uh, and uh, certain components and health outcomes in the future. So this is the, this is the behind of the cutoff point. And um, uh, another, another approach uh, regards to normative uh, standards. So uh, this uh, standard is uh, is basing, as I mentioned, on the distribution of uh, results within European peers. So this is not actually the best approach when you know that uh, whole generation uh, decreased uh, its uh, fitness. That's why uh, we believe that the combination of those two approaches is the best one. And uh, for instance, since in Slovenia we also have this data for a really long period, we can also point out uh, the, these uh, intergenerational, so secular trends uh, to, to, to raise the question. For instance, if somebody is the sixth, uh, is, is uh, within fifth, uh, fifth, uh, 50 is this is right or uh, is this is good or this is bad uh, regards to, for instance, health. But Back to the back to the questions on using this also uh, for for physical literacy purpose. I believe uh, the the best uh, the best uh, value of of this uh, physical fitness testing is that uh, it's uh, really uh, more objective than any other measures. So. Using physical fitness testing give us objective information on the state of the health of the children at the moment, since the physical fitness is the best indicator of health uh, at this point. And of course, this is not totally connected with, with uh, physical uh, literacy, uh, also mentioned by Nigel, with whom I had an interesting uh, talk, uh, I think, uh, last week, but uh, as I also uh, presented this paper from Canadian authors, uh, physical fitness is very well connected also with uh, total score of uh, physical literacy. Laura? Thanks, Gregor. Um, I'll keep it brief, but Mikhail, I, I would echo and amplify your concerns around the kind of tests we're using, why we're using them, uh, what tests we're using, how relevant they are to children's lives, but also 
um, as I think you hinted, um, many have traditionally been validated on adults as, a, as opposed to um, as opposed to kids. Um, <clears throat> and one thing I would say on the what, um, I would uh, and do always go back to the curriculum. Um, it got squeezed out of my presentation because it was getting a bit long. Um, but <clears throat> at least in terms of Australia and England, they don't they don't mention fitness testing um, and there isn't a what. So for example, um, uh, students in uh, grade seven, eight, so like an 11, 12 year old in Australia, um, the closest achievement standard to fitness testing is that they need to be able to create and monitor personal fitness plans. And then in England, similarly, they need to be able to analyze their performances compared to previous ones and demonstrate improvement to achieve their personal best. Um, so for me, that's interesting because one fitness testing is not mentioned. However, I think it's very easy to see why testing would become a feature. You know, if you're asking students to be able to monitor um, and develop plans and measure progress, then, then it's a next logical step, but um, not necessarily the given that history would, would lead us to believe. And thank you for all your advice on the second paper, Miguel. Thank you, Laura. Uh, Mark is rising his hand. I yeah. cannot distinguish thanks. it is right or left one, sorry. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, well, thank you, both of you. Uh, it was interesting, and uh, the discussion about that topic uh, underlines that it's in interesting and it's at the heart of what we are doing in physical education, and it it's important. But uh, straight on point, uh, how to distinguish genetics uh, basis and lifestyles effects of the results of fit the, in, in the fitness test. In physical education, I believe we try to improve lifestyles of our uh, students. Then could you speak about that differentiation between genetics and lifestyle effects? And after that, uh, speaking, uh, explain if you have data uh, underlining that doing fitness tests will encourage really uh, people uh, with problems to do uh, physical activity. Thanks. Laura, it's your time. Yeah, I'll go, no worries. Um, thank you, Mark. Um, I, I think you touched on a really important point and I think it's at the heart of I guess some of my considerations around fitness testing in that you know, there's no such thing as a, a sporty kid or a fit kid, okay? Those children have had particular access to particular resources over time, um, be that role models, money, you know, access to clubs and facilities, particular kind of environments. So I, I think, um, and I don't want to bang this, drum too loudly, but I have thought of fitness testing as a social justice issue um, in, in that we are calling for comparisons on arguably um, aspects of an individual that are not always within their control, at, at least at this age. 
Um, and I can't remember what your second point was, Mark, I'm sorry. It was uh, the difference between the, the genetic aspect and uh, finally the, the life lifestyle aspect. When, when you are evaluating fitness, then what, what is important? It's the, the part of the lifestyle that is important. And then when you have a single as a result, it's difficult, it is difficult to distinguish the difference. Mm, yeah, and, and I guess I go back to one of my first points, but for me, the key focus here is education and learning and what's the educative purpose. So arguably, you know, does it matter? <laughs> You know, for me, it's more important that they understand what fitness is, that it's multidimensional, that it's afforded in a range of ways, that it can be progressed and developed, you know, using these methods and that they know training principles and so on and so forth uh, and can put them into action if they if they choose to. Um, and I would, uh, look like I'm on the end of a, a Zoom call, but I would question whether we actually need to collect the data or is it something that the students can do? Um, you know, by all means, submit it as part of evidence of learning, but does it matter if they've gone up on the beat test from term one to term four or not? If I can add something here, yes. I, I believe we are returning to the question on competencies of uh, teachers. So uh, in Slovenian schools, uh, the, the, the last word here have a PE teachers. So we are just providing them a tool for explanation of results uh, of testing. But they know uh, their children very well. Uh, but, uh, and and they, they can also interpret these results according to this wider knowledge, this holistic knowledge, not just testing of physical fitness. And of course, we have a fit and fat children as well. But we know that these children have this really big strength that they are fit or besides they are fat. And building further competencies of children on this is very important for, for physical literacy. So explaining him or her that, yeah, uh, he or she doesn't have such kind of genetic potential than others, but uh, with the proper physical activity and nutrition, they have they could have a, a healthy lifestyle. So I think this is all back to competencies of PE teachers. Furthermore, I, I, I have to mention also that within this year, we will um, implement also the evaluation of maturity based on the uh, growth spurt uh, on our system. So teachers would be able to see if they are under mature or over mature regards to their peers. And this will also um, um, uh, provide them additional information to teachers how to interpret results. So I, I, uh, the, the whole system is actually based on uh, competencies of physical education teachers. I think you made a good point there, Gregor, about the first point, you know, knowing your students. And I think it links nicely to 
comment that Brendan put in the chat, which much more succinctly than, than I did, which is we've been debating for a really long time and we have the pedagogical knowledge from scholars uh, way more experienced than me. Uh, we know what to do. We just need to work together to be able to put that into practice. But whether, however we teach through fitness testing, uh, that will be dependent on our context, the layers of it and, and our students. Yeah, and if they all love it and will thrive, then arguably a traditional approach to whole class beat testing would be fabulous. Um, but sometimes it's not. Thank you very much. It's two o'clock. I, I have to manage the time. And uh, I repeat, yeah, uh, in my opinion today, it was really a big success uh, in this uh, uh, ISF Connect. It's time to finish, to, to, finish, to complete to drink the coffee, our coffee. But uh, I really hope that uh, this could be uh, the first step of uh, a long discussion, a deep discussion <laughs> uh, around this topic. And uh, uh, so probably yeah, the, the, the perspective to organize uh, a specialist symposium or something similar around this topic could be really nice. Thank you. Uh, another important maybe uh, not information, but comment is that we were more than 90 people attending uh, the Connect today. That is a good number, a very good number. And uh, I'm also happy because when we decided the title with Laura and Gregor, what could be the title, uh, Fitness Testing in Physical Education, pros and cons, but maybe it's not, uh, but it is really pros and cons. But just reading the, the chat, uh, we have something that is at the, opposite extremes of, uh, of the discussion and this is very nice. Thanks again to you all for being here and uh, we as the ISF we hope to see you soon for our next uh, uh, connects and uh, thanks uh, to Laura and to Gregor for the very nice uh, excellent presentation and uh, have a nice weekend. Thanks so much. Bye, thank Bye. you. Bye everyone, stay safe.